This is Ann Graham Lotz. If your next-door neighbor was allowed to come into your house and see you behaving when you didn't know anybody was watching, what would they find? Thanks for joining us today for a significant message from Bible teacher Ann Graham Lotz on this edition of Living in the Light. Today's message is taken from Daniel chapter 5, where Belshazzar is told by Daniel that he has not honored God and that God has written an inscription of handwriting on the wall and begins with verse 26. Daniel speaks with authority. He speaks with clarity. He turns and he, to the handwriting on the wall and in verse 26, he says, this is what the words mean. Mini means God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. In other words, Belshazzar, your number is up. You don't have another chance. You don't have another tomorrow. Your number is up. Tico, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Have you ever had someone say when they get to heaven, God's going to weigh their good works against their bad works, and if their good works outweigh their bad works, God will let them into heaven? That's what Belshazzar thought. And Daniel said, God has weighed your works all right, but they don't measure up. And your bad works outweigh your good works. Do you know something? You can do, fill your life with good works, and have only one bad thing you've ever done in all your life, and the Bible says that one bad thing one moment in all of your life is heavy enough to outweigh all the good things you've ever done because God's standards are perfection. He doesn't accept even one small bad thing in all of your life. To be weighed according to your works is to be found wanting. And Belshazzar was found wanting. Verse 28, Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. This night, Belshazzar, God's going to require your life. Now that's a hard word to give. And Daniel stood there in that banquet hall facing the king of Babylon and gave a very hard word. He gave the truth. And it's not pleasant after a lovely evening like tonight to even relate a message like this, but let me tell you something. If you've not placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, judgment is coming. Can you pinpoint the time when you deliberately confessed your sin, you told God you're willing to stop sinning and you claimed the death of Jesus as forgiveness for your sin and you surrendered your life to his control, inviting him to come into your life as Savior and Lord? Or have you been counting on your good works? And you've been thinking, well, I'm a Baptist and I've been baptized by immersion and I can quote scripture and I teach Sunday school and I can pray out loud and I'm good and I'm moral, and I'm kind. None of that's good enough. You and I have to be perfect to please God. And we'll never achieve that perfection in ourselves. We get that perfection at the cross. It's called righteousness. And at the cross, we lay our sin on Jesus, and he places on us his own righteousness, and we're clothed in the perfection of Christ. That's the only way you can ever be saved from God's judgment. And if you're not clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, judgment is coming for you. And one day, God forbid, maybe tonight, your number will be up. And God will say, I've weighed your works in the balances and you've been found wanting because your works aren't good enough 
They're not perfect enough to please me. And your life will be required. Do you know someone like Belshazzar? And have you been compromising the truth because it's so difficult to give out? It's not pleasant. But faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. How will that person come to faith if you don't tell them? Maybe God would use you to warn them, judgment is coming. And I believe for our wicked world, judgment is coming. And if the United States of America doesn't repent of her sin and turn to God, there's no hope. But it begins with you and me, Chronicle says, that if God's people, those who call themselves Christians, will humble themselves and repent of their wicked ways. Do you have wicked ways in your life? And turn to God and pray, then he'll hear from heaven and forgive your sin and heal the United States of America. I believe that's the only hope. Outside of the return of Jesus Christ, the only hope for America is Jesus Christ. And the revival that comes when we repent of our wicked ways and turn to God. Belshazzar was given the truth. Daniel gave the truth courageously with integrity and authority and clarity. And in response, Belshazzar dressed him in a purple robe, put a necklace around him, put a ring on his finger, gave him the highest position, gave him his old job back, Daniel wasn't impressed. He knew it wouldn't even last 24 hours. (laughs) Typical of the world's honors, isn't it? They're just temporary. Even if they last for a lifetime, that's temporary compared to eternity. Do you know what happened that very night? The Medes and Persians camped outside the city walls had built a dam on the Euphrates River. And that night, they finished the dam. And they closed it up. And everybody who was anybody was in this drunken feast. They didn't notice that the water level in the river began to drop. In fact, it dropped down so far that the Persian army marched in the river underneath the wall, and that very night they seized Babylon and they put Belshazzar to death. It was too late for Belshazzar. It's not too late for you. You're here. Not too late for your friend. You still have the opportunity to tell her about Jesus and how to be saved from judgment. It's interesting to me just since we're talking about character and character counts, that the last act of the Babylonian Empire, now this is the empire that had conquered the world, taken Judah as a province, destroyed Jerusalem, desecrated the temple, taken the sacred things of God and put in the temple of idols in Babylon, destroyed the city until not one stone was left on top of another, taken God's people into captivity, The last official act of the Babylonian Empire was to honor a man who put God first in his life. To honor a man who lived his life to please the living God, who had resolved not to defile himself. Character counts as you witness by what you say. In a collapsing world, be courageous. Speak the truth with integrity and authority and clarity. Don't back down from the truth. Character counts as you witness by who you are. This is just the witness of your life. 
And Daniel lived in chapter 6 in a world of corruption. The Medes and Persians have taken over the empire now, and Darius is the new Persian emperor, and he's reorganizing the empire. And so he organizes it into 120 states or provinces with a governor over each province, and then he puts three presidents over those 120 governors, and then he has one prime minister over those three presidents. Daniel, in the new Persian empire, is one of the presidents. He is one of the three men who is in charge of all of the governors of the whole empire. You talk about being successful. Daniel was successful. This is the third emperor he has served under in a high position, Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, and now Darius. And so Daniel is serving in the capacity as a president over these 120 governors, and the king is so impressed with his character that he's going to make Daniel prime minister. He's going to place him over the three presidents, so Daniel will be the most powerful man in the Persian Empire under Darius himself. But Daniel is living in a world that is corrupted with pride and prejudice, says in verse 3, Daniel had so distinguished himself amongst the administrators and the governors by his exceptional qualities, the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Let me just ask you, is there some way that you've been promoted? Have you been recognized or honored in some way? Maybe you've just been asked to be chairman of the committee for next year. Maybe you've just gotten a promotion at work or somebody has praised you for something that you've done. And that can be good, but sometimes that exposes corruption around you the corruption of prejudice and pride because in verse 4, the administrators and the governors tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. In other words, these governors and the presidents didn't want Daniel ruling over them. And I think there were three reasons. One, I expect they were very dishonest and they stole from the treasury and they skimmed off the taxes. And if Daniel was in charge of them, they couldn't do that anymore. And I think they also were probably jealous. They would like to be prime minister and they didn't want anybody else to be prime minister. They couldn't be. I think they were just prejudiced. Daniel was a Jew. He was an outsider. And he had no business ruling over them when they're Persians. And so his honor and the fact that he's getting ready to be promoted has exposed this corruption in the government. You know, there's nothing like taking a straight stick and putting it alongside crooked sticks to show up the crookedness. And Daniel's life of integrity, the fact that he was incorruptible, placed inside that corrupt government, just showed the other officials for what they were. And so we see the, the corruption of prejudice and pride surrounding Daniel. And they set a team of investigators to investigate Daniel's life. They could find nothing wrong with him. He was neither corrupt nor negligent in any area of his life. You know, I wonder if a team of investigators investigated me, if even your next-door neighbor was allowed to come into your house and see you behaving when you didn't know anybody was watching, what would they find? You see where character counts? And Daniel, living in the midst of a corrupt world, is absolutely consistent in his behavior. He was just the same everywhere. And so these governors and officials come up with a plot, and they decide the only way they can get Daniel is if it has something to do with his God. They sense that he's put God first in his life, and if 
some way they can get him to choose between God and something else they can get him. In verse 5, they say, We'll never find any basis for charges against Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God. And so Daniel, in the midst of this corrupt world, we see his consistency because they come up with a plan. And it's a very clever plan because they know Darius is a very prideful man. He has a huge ego. So they go to Darius and they say, you know something, everybody's so impressed with you. And we just think you're such a wonderful king and a wonderful emperor. We just want to honor you and we want to make you God. So for the next 30 days, we'd like for you to issue an order banning all prayer. No prayer in the schools and no prayer in the offices and no prayer in the government functions and no prayer and we just want everyone to look to you for their needs. And if we have needs or if we have problems, we'll just come to you and, but no one will be allowed to pray to anyone else. And Darius was very pleased with this and his ego was just puffed up and so he signed into law, the law of the Medes and the Persians, which was irrevocable, a law that said you could pray to no one else except him. Prayer was completely banned in the Persian Empire. And Daniel knew this. Verse 10. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Do you see his consistency? When he's being examined, when he's got people who are looking into every area of his life when he's facing danger because of his commitment to God, he doesn't break his commitment. It doesn't matter what age he is. It doesn't matter what position he holds. It doesn't matter who's around him. It doesn't matter what the laws and the decrees are. He has resolved not to defile himself. He made the choice to put God first in his life, and he's keeping that commitment. It's a testimony to Daniel's consistency that even his enemies knew how to get him. And they knew the only way would be if they tried to get him to compromise his faith. They knew he would not. What a testimony Daniel had. I would pray for one that even my enemies would recognize. And so Daniel's enemies come up to where his room is, and it's almost comical. They're all squatting down, looking through the keyhole, peeking at Daniel, and I'm sure he could hear them at the door scuffling around. If I were him, I would have said, God, you don't mind if I pray in bed tonight? <laughs> if I turn off the light, if I close the window, if I pull the sheet up over my head, and da God, I've been praying all my life. You know, I'm prayed up, and I could skip the next 30 days, but Daniel's so consistent. Consistent in his prayer life, that's convicting for me alone. I did a study on his prayer life, and it was so convicting. Daniel prayed three times a day, and his enemies are watching him, and they run back to the king, and they say, Darius, guess what we found? You know the man you thought so highly of, Daniel? You're going to make him prime minister under you? Well, he's been praying to his God, and the penalty is death. And Darius was very upset. And he tried hard to find some way to let Daniel off the hook to find a loophole in the law, but there was none. And it was the law of the Medes and the Persians. Even the king couldn't change it. And so he had to do what the law said, that if this law was broken, the person who broke the law would be thrown into the lion's den. And so in verse 16, 
the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and they threw him into the lion's den. And the king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve consistently rescue you. And Daniel went into that lion's den believing he was going to die. He had no idea he would be saved. No idea his life would be spared. Do you see him keeping his commitment? In spite of peer pressure, fear pressure, severe pressure, he made the choice to put God first. And he was keeping the commitment. And he was confident even as he tumbled through the air into the lion's den, he was going to be better off. Even if the lions ate him up, he would be in the presence of his God whom he served so consistently. God would rescue him either physically or eternally, but he would put God first. What's your lion's den? What very difficult place do you find yourself because of your witness for Christ? And he tumbles down to that lion's den floor, and God honors those who honor him. And God sent an angel to shut the lion's mouth. I wonder what happened when Daniel landed on the floor. I know those lions were hungry because of what they did the next morning. But I wonder if they charged him with their yellow eyes gleaming and their teeth bared and then smelled him and walked off. Or did they just sleep and keep on sleeping and never even wake up when he came onto the floor? Did they not even notice him? God just protected Daniel in the lion's den. You know, sometimes God allows us to be thrown into the lion's den but he protects us inside. Like the three Hebrew children in Daniel 3, another chapter I wish I had time to share with you. They found themselves in the fiery furnace because of their witness for God. And yet God saved them in the middle of the fiery furnace. In fact, as Nebuchadnezzar was watching, you know, when you're in a fiery furnace, the world watches, doesn't it? Draw real close to see what's going on in your life. And they were watching the three Hebrew children and what they saw going on in their lives was a fourth and he looked like the son of man they saw Jesus in the lives of those three Hebrew children Nebuchadnezzar called the three Hebrew children to come out of the fiery furnace and when they came out it said not a hair of their head was singed nothing was burned the only thing that was burned off were the ropes that bound them and sometimes God lets us go through a fiery furnace to burn off that which binds us and it's really a freeing experience and for whatever reason, God let Daniel go into this lion's den. And it may be God has allowed you to go into a lion's den because he's going to use you to glorify him in such a way other people will glorify him. The world doesn't pay much attention when everything's going right in your life. It's when you're in lion's den experiences that the world watches and they take note. And the next morning... And the king all night long had not been able to sleep. He had tossed and turned. He honestly, sincerely respected and loved Daniel. So early the next morning, he ran to the mouth of the lion's den. When he came near to the den in verse 20, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve consistently been able to rescue you from the lions? Can you imagine what he thought when he heard the voice come up out of that lion's den. And Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and he has shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. 
nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. And the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den, and he threw the wicked men into the den, and the lions ate them up, and I won't say much about that except there is a judgment for the wicked. And when people set themselves against the children of God, sooner or later God will hold them accountable. Let that be an encouragement to you if you're in a lion's den at the hands of wicked people, God will hold them accountable. Their day is coming. Let that be a warning to you. If you've set yourself against someone who is a child of God, God will hold you accountable. And he held these men accountable for the way they had treated Daniel, but he delivered Daniel from the lion's den. And if he was able to deliver Daniel from the lion's den, what makes you think he can't deliver you from your difficult situation? Our God is God. And our God is the God of Daniel. And the God who is able to shut the mouths of those lions, he can take care of your situation. And he is able to deliver you if he chooses not to do so, then it's because he has something better for you. But if you're living your life to be comfortable, if you're living your life to be safe, if you're living your life to be popular, if you're living your life for the opinions of others, you're going to be bitter and angry and complaining inside that lion's den. But do you understand? Daniel lived for the glory of God. And he could live for the glory of God just as easily in a lion's den as he could the palace, as he could the slave quarters, as he could a prison, as he could whatever position, whatever age, whatever kingdom he found himself in. He just lived to glorify God. And because he did, look at Darius, verse 25. King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language throughout the land. May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And this pagan emperor is glorifying God because of what he has seen in Daniel's life. Character counts. Through your character, you glorify God and other people see your character and they see Christ in your life and they give glory to God until one day the whole earth will be filled with the glory of God. Who is glorifying God because of what they see in your life? Is there just one other person who sees you, maybe, sees you in a lion's den, and they see your patience and your kindness and your lack of bitterness and the peace in your heart and the joy that you have in Christ, your thoughtfulness of others in the midst of the lion's den, and they know that your God has rescued you. You may be in that same situation, but your spirit and your emotions and your personality, you've been rescued, you've been delivered, and they see God in your character, and they glorify the God of Daniel. Character counts as you witness by what you say, in a world that's collapsing, be courageous by speaking the truth. And character counts as you witness by who you are. In a world that's corrupt, be consistent in your life. Would you choose to live your life to glorify God?
You've been listening to Bible teacher Ann Graham Lotz in her message today from Daniel chapter 5 with a focus on a life that glorifies God. She closes today's broadcast with this encouragement for each of us. Let me share with you questions I've asked myself. Does the light in my life shine so that others look at my character and my conduct and acknowledge the presence of God? Am I drawing people to God by my behavior and my attitude? Am I making God attractive to others so they want to know Him too? Join me. Let's make it our purpose to live our lives for His glory. Be sure to take advantage of all that's available for you at angramlots.org. From Ann's blog, her messages, Bible studies, books, and videos, all will give you a deeper, richer relationship with Jesus through God's Word. And thanks for joining us today for Living in the Light.